Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. I'm glad you're here. We're excited about what God is doing. We had a great weekend last weekend. For those of you who are able to join us, I think we uh, figured it out and well over a thousand people participated with us last weekend, whether it was through Star Valley and Malawi and uh, here in the house. And it was just a great weekend and we're just excited to see what God is doing. Amen? Amen. I want to mention to you, if it's your first time, second time, or third time uh, here at River of Life, we have a card in the seat back in front of you, and right on there it says Connect Card, and we would love for you to fill that out, bring that back to the New Year table after the gathering, and each of those visits, there's a different gift that we want to give you, just our way of saying thank you for, we know there's lots of options, there's lots of places you could have spent your Saturday night, but we're so grateful that you came to spend Saturday night with us, Amen. Amen. I also wanted to quickly mention to you that next weekend will be our baptism weekend. And uh, if you have not been at River of Life for one of our baptism weekends, you are going to want to make sure that you are here. We are going to celebrate with those who are making that decision. If you're in the house and you've accepted Jesus into your life and you've not been baptized in water, can I just tell you, there is no reason not to be baptized in water. If you've, if you've done that, that's the step that... that the only thing that you have to do before baptism in water, it doesn't mean you've got you've to know this book inside and out. There's not a class that you have to take. It's really just coming to a place where you say, hey, I have decided to follow Jesus. And because of that, I am going to make a public confession of my faith in front of, in front of all of my church family that that's what I believe and that's what I'm doing. And so I would encourage you, if you have not made that decision before, will you get onto the app or stop at the Welcome Center? They'd love to help you um, fill out the opportunity to do so. You can pick either Saturday or Sunday. We'll be doing baptisms at both gatherings. And then we've got some incredible testimonies that you're gonna hear next weekend as well. We're super excited about that. And so please make sure that you're here and that you join us and, uh, and just come ready to celebrate. Amen? Amen. Well, we're gonna... I want to talk to you just for a few moments this evening. We're going to look in Acts chapter 20, starting at verse 7. It says this, On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting. Seated in the window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. I mean, you know, Paul didn't write this. Uh, when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Let's pray. God, keep us awake in the room tonight. We praise you, God, for what you're doing, and we thank you, Father, that you love us and that you have plans for us. And so, God, as we spend the next few moments looking at your word, first of all, we're so grateful because you are with us. And Lord Jesus, as we celebrated last week, you sent your son, Jesus, you came to die for us so that we can have relationship with you. And so we are grateful for that tonight. Father, I pray for those in Star Valley who are joining us that God, you would speak to them. God, for those who will eventually watch this in the jail and those who will watch it in Malawi and Alaska. And, and Father, for, for those who are in the room or watching online, I pray, God, wherever we find ourselves in our journey with you, that, God, tonight you would draw us closer to you. 
Lord Jesus, we do give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. It's an interesting story. It's the first recorded church sleeper. Um, didn't end well for him. Uh, but it did, though. Yes, we'll get to that. Um, I like this story because Paul is like, you know, they, they retired his jersey. He's like that preacher, right? Like, he is the man. And yet, while he's preaching, a man falls asleep and falls out the window and dies. Um, pretty incredible. I, I don't know about you, but when I was, when maybe you're a person that can fall asleep pretty easily. Um, I, had, I had a guy on my youth staff at one point when I was youth pastoring, and, and he had very severe sleep apnea, so he wouldn't sleep well at night, but then he could fall asleep at the drop of a hat. He often would fall asleep while he was driving, and he got into trouble for that. But one time, I was in our youth room, and we were doing worship, and we were, we were all, uh, everybody was standing, the kids were worshiping, and we had kind of this little ledge off to the side of the room, and he was standing there. And so I, would, I was standing ready to go up and, and close out our time of worship in prayer. And while I was standing there, he was right behind me, and I could hear snoring. He was literally standing right behind me, and he was asleep snoring. And I thought, man, that is incredible that you could sleep like that. Well, uh, as we look at this story, I want you to understand that uh, I believe that we can gain something from this. It's one, of, it's one of those stories that maybe you've never heard before, but I want to talk to you for just a few moments about people that are sleeping. As we think of this story they do a pretty good job of explaining what the room was like. And obviously, Paul is knowing that he's going to leave, and so he's speaking for quite some time. But it even goes into talking about that it was probably dimly lit. There were some candles in the room. It was, that's the, the vibe that was there. And I can only imagine that Eutychus has found himself a good seat. He's sitting on the windowsill. Probably a lot of people were either standing or sitting on the floor. He's probably sitting there and there's the warmth of the crowd that's in the room, but then there's the cool night breeze that is blowing behind him and it's just that perfect atmosphere so that if you're tired, you began, he began to doze off. And we see that he's having a hard time staying awake in this story. He was very comfortable. And I can only think about the fact that the church, especially in Western culture, has become very comfortable. Now, we walked through a little season there with COVID that we got a little uncomfortable, but now I, I see that we're getting back to being comfortable once again. And so I want to take a few moments and I want us to look at this because our enemy wants us asleep. He wants the church to fall asleep. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 says this, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while the men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So as we look at that story, and we're not going to dig too deep into that story, but I found it interesting that while the men sleep, the enemy comes in and he sows some seed. He sows some, some seed that if you followed that story, you'd see that it eventually began to look like what was good, but it was not good. It was weeds. And so we need to understand that as the church sleeps, the enemy is sowing weeds into society. God is calling our generation to step up, and we need to live our purpose. Because while we sleep, the enemy has distracted us from our calling. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm driving and it's late at night, I will do this stupid thing, and I know it's stupid, but I will still do it, 
and that is you're driving, like my wife and I can be driving somewhere and we're gonna drive like late into the night and, and she'll say, I'm tired, can you drive? And I'll start to drive and I could have been sitting in that passenger seat wide awake for, for hours and not even feeling tired and then I'll get behind the wheel of that car and I don't know if it's just the lull of, of what's going on but I will start to feel sleepy and when I start to feel sleepy, Tell me if I'm the only one in the room that does this, but I will start to convince myself that I can close just one eye. <laughs> Anybody else do that? You're all, you're all shaming me now. I got you. I get it. It's stupid. I'm not saying, hey, this is a great idea. I'm telling you, I understand. Even when I'm doing it, I'm saying, this is stupid. That's not how it works. But yet in my mind, I will still convince myself, just close one eye for just a minute and it will be fine. And then next thing you know, you're closing both eyes, right? That's the way that it goes. And so you've got you've to figure out what works for you to keep you awake. But as I was thinking about that, I'm thinking about the fact that for us as, as the church the body of Christ, we've gotten to a place where we've lulled ourselves to a place where we feel like just a little bit is fine. Just a little bit of compromise will be okay. If I just close one eye, it's not technically sleeping. But how many of you know the enemy will use that? Eutychus falls asleep. He falls out the window. He dies. Uh, I don't know if you've had that dream before where, you, where you're free-falling right? And I don't know if it's true or not. They say that if you actually land in your dream and you die, you will die in real life. I don't know if that, there's any truth to that. I've never, I've fallen in my dream, but I've never landed. Uh, Eutychus, I don't know if he had that moment where he's like, oh, I'm dreaming this. And then he died. Um, <laughs> it's okay. You'll get to, we'll get to the end of the story in a minute. He's fine. Um, so look at what happens next. As we look at Acts chapter 20, it says this, Paul went down, threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking, and after talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Now, first of all, I just got to say this about the apostle Paul. The dude's preaching long enough that the guy falls asleep and falls out the window and dies. He goes down and not only does he like lay hands on him, he comes to life. He goes up and preaches some more. <laughs> and that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty impressive. He goes up, he has a snack, and then he goes back to preaching all the way through the night. And so as we look at this story, I think that many of us need to realize that the church is asleep. Many of you find yourselves dead asleep. So many Christians walk through the motions, but there is no life in them. Listen to what 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 says. Having a form of godliness, but, but, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Can I tell you that the devil loves the sleeping church? He loves a church that walks around like zombies that has no power that walks around and, and can even recite scripture, but doesn't live scripture. He's totally fine with that. Society moves further and further from the truth, and the church takes another sleeping pill so that our lives don't get disrupted. We've watched as, as things that would not have been acceptable 10 years ago we find ourselves in a place that if you'd have told any of us 10 years ago where we would be today, 
we would not believe you. But we've slow walked ourselves to this place where we have lulled ourselves to sleep. And the reason that we're not waking up is because we don't want our lives disrupted. We're comfortable. Eutychus was comfortable. He sat on that windowsill and probably thought, I have the greatest seat in the house. And then he fell asleep. And then he died. As I was thinking about this this week, our society continues to move. Some of you, if you've been watching the news, you see the big disrupt with, with Disney. Disney is doing what it can to teach your children about sex and sexuality. While parents stare at their own screens, they're just letting Disney have a free-for-all in their homes. Can I just tell you that Netflix is, uh, I just, this came across my, my uh, computer just this week, that Netflix is introducing some more programming that is pushing a ridiculous and blatantly trying to remove truth from our life. And this is what this new series is. He's expecting. It's about a pregnant cisgender man. This, some of you are laughing because that's what, it's stupid. It makes no sense. But this is being pushed. This is being called reality. Your phone may have just gotten an update in the last week. So now one of the emojis that is offered to you is a pregnant man. Or I say man who had too much barbecue. (laughs) Someone messaged me a few weeks back and they said, so apparently at my work, The new expectation is to use the phrase chest feeding instead of breastfeeding to include trans people that wish to breastfeed. It's laughable if it wasn't so, I mean, if it wasn't so hurtful. We're moving to a place where truth has no place and where we've got to just believe whatever you say to be true. Can I just tell you in a couple weeks, we are going to celebrate Mother's Day. We are not going to celebrate birthing being day. Because there are two sexes. One can have babies, one cannot. Church sits in the cool breeze of the windowsill and we fall asleep. I debated about reading some of these to you. I'm going to just give you a little heads up that if you've got children in the room, you may want to step out for just a moment because I'm going to read something from a local high school. This was in a health class. Many of you have probably already seen this. I wanted to wait till after Easter to talk about this a little bit. I think it's important for us to understand the times that we're living in. I'm not going to read all of these questions to you today, but I want you to hear some of them because I think it's important. The assignment that was given at Sentinel High School in a health class was called Questions for Exploring Sexual Orientation. Number one, define heterosexuality. We'll skip down. Number three, what causes heterosexuality? Number four, it is possible for heterosexuals Uh, heterosexuality stems is it possible that heterosexuality stems from a neurotic fear of others of the same gender 
Number five, the media seems to portray straights as preoccupied with sexual intercourse. Do you think that is so? Skipping down to number eight, 40% of married couples get divorced. Why is it so difficult for straights to stay in a long-term relationship? Number nine, considering the consequences of overpopulation, could the human race survive if everyone was heterosexual? Number 10, 99% of reported rapists are heterosexual. Why are straights so sexually aggressive? Number 11, the majority of child molesters are heterosexuals. Do you consider it safe to expose children to heterosexual teachers, scout leaders, and coaches? Number 14, how easy would it be for you if you wanted to change your sexual orientation starting right now? This is in our town. It's in our school. We got to wake up. We got to wake up. Our children don't know any better. They, we send them to school. We tell them, hey, this is what you need to learn. And this is what they're being taught. Now, not in all schools, don't get me wrong. There are great teachers. There are great schools. But I'm telling you, you've got to pay attention to what your children are learning. And we've got, to, we've got to be active in this because the more we sleep, the further it slides. We are asleep like walking zombies and unlike the movies with the undead where they're hard to defeat, the, the enemy has no problem with a sleeping church because we walk around powerless. Maybe you've been sleeping in church and like Eutychus... It has killed your faith. It has drained you of power. And my hope for this weekend is that this is a wake-up call to you. When you are asleep, you don't know it. You know that? When you're asleep, you don't actually know that you're asleep, right? I mean, you wake up and you're like, was was I sleeping? Did I I sleep? A lot of us don't realize that we've been sleeping. We've gotten comfortable. We found ourselves in a position where we're... You know, life is fairly good. We have our, our ups and our downs. We have our struggles and we have the, the thing. But for the most part, we're, we're doing okay. And so it's comfortable. We can just come into church. We can, we can find our seat. We can slip in and we can slip out and we can, we can live our life the way that we want to live our life. And I'm telling you right now that the time for that is over. Amen. That we have to stand up and we have to do something. You do weird things when you sleep. You, I don't know how many of you are droolers when you sleep. You're so brave. Look at you. (laughs) Droolers unite. (laughs) Holy Sarah, you're the best. Uh, But when you're, what? Sarah, you want to come up here and talk to us about it? (laughs) You good? (laughs) Uh, Problem is, is so much goes on around us because we're asleep. We're comfortable. And I, I get it because it's in our flesh to want to be comfortable. We want life to not be, we don't want conflict. We don't want, we don't want, 
to, to struggle. We don't want all of those things. And so a lot of this, we just allow a little bit of ground and a little bit of ground and a little bit of ground until we find ourselves here. We find ourselves in a position and a place where the world dictates to us what truth is. I'm sorry. We already know what truth is. We've already been taught what truth is. It doesn't change. It doesn't go on a whim. It's amazing to me because even reading this, now, you, now it's if you want to change your sexual orientation when for years they've been preaching that that's not a choice. And now it's a choice all of a sudden. I believe that it is time for the church to wake up. Listen to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. See, when we're sleeping, we miss out. Yeah. Have you ever gone to sleep, and you wake up, and you realize you missed something? And maybe you missed work, because you overslept. You're like, I'm fine with that. Uh, but you can, you can sleep through something that's good, something that's important, something that you want to be a part of. And many of us have gotten to a place where we're so comfortable that we're sleeping through what God wants to do in us and through us. He's ready for his church to rise up. He's ready for his church to be who he's called us to be. But we see people coming in weekend after weekend to one of our gatherings and they're worshiping and they're saying amen and then they leave and they're, they leave their marriage in a mess. They're, they're sleeping around. They're, they're maybe uh, screwing people over in their business transactions or they're, they're doing whatever they want throughout the week. They're allowing compromise after compromise after compromise and you go, how is that possible? It's because they're sleeping. If you're sleeping, you're not reaping. If you're asleep, you will not know the, the benefits of this faith journey. If you allow yourself to just be comfortable and do what makes you feel okay, instead of stepping out and stepping into the place that God is calling you to, you will never understand what it is to live in true purpose. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 says this, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what has been promised. So look at this for a moment. It says, do not throw away your confidence. So in other words, I think the church has thrown away its confidence. I think we have come to a place where we have said, I am not confident that I could win that battle. I am not confident that by standing for truth that life will be better for me. I am not confident that we sang about it. We sang about there's another in the fire, right? That, that he's not gonna let us drown. He's not gonna let us burn. He's gonna be with us. And we sing it and we put our hands in the air and we worship to it and we're excited about it. And then we walk out and we hear about what's going on in our school district and we go, oh, if only somebody would go to the school board meeting and talk about this. Well, it's not me because what if people don't like me then? What if people cancel me? What if people, what, what if people call me names? What if people say that, that I'm a bigot because I, I'm not for this? What if? And we, we say, well, I can't do that. But we sing there's another in the fire. But we're not actually willing to get in the fire to see if he's there. 
He says he'll bless us, that he has promises for us, that we need to lean in and trust him and know that he is walking this thing out with us. Are you sleeping or are you participating? You ever have somebody ask you to wake them? They say, hey, I'm going to take a little nap. Would you wake me up? Or hey, in the morning, would you mind waking me up? I don't want to be late. And you go to wake them up and they get mad at you. Right? Like, hey, you said you want to be up by eight. And you're like, I don't want to get up. Why are you waking me up? Right? And it's like, you told me to wake you up. And now you're mad. Right? I don't know if you've ever had that experience. But I think that it might happen, not with my wife and I, but I think maybe Hunter and Sierra, I think that happens sometimes. (laughs) They're controlling the cameras right now. Am I still on? I'm good. Well, I say that to you because I think that there are often times when, when you come to church and you hear a wake-up call and we almost get upset. The pastor or whoever's preaching gets up and they begin to talk to you about, hey, it's time for you to stand up. It's time for you to do something different. It's time for life to look different for you and we can start to get upset about it. We just keep hitting the snooze button. How many of you in the room are the snooze button people, right? You just, you got, you, like 15 times you're like snoozing. Oh, I know I got a few more minutes. I got a few minutes. I remember back in the day, I'm not a snooze bar person anymore, but back in the day, I would start that like two hours before I had to get up. That is the stupidest plan ever. Like every 15 minutes, you're just, right? It's the worst. So I was thinking about this actually today. I was looking over my notes and I realized something that another word for waking someone is reviving them. Come on. We love to hear songs about revival. We love to hear preachers preach about revival. We love when we when we when someone will say, "Hey, revival is coming." Right? Because in our minds, I don't think we really actually understand what that means. See, revival isn't that all of a sudden we're just going to have some extended worship times and a little bit of more prayer. Revival means change. Revival means the sleeper has awoken. It means that we start to live our lives in such a way that the people who do not know Jesus all of a sudden realize we do know Jesus. And they begin to understand that, that we are going to live our lives in such a way that we don't care what anybody else thinks because we serve an audience of one. And he's told us how we're to live. See, the problem is, is we've come to a place in society where I believe that the church is very guilty, the church, capital C, of saying, listen, let's bend a little bit more so that we can make more people happy with us and they won't see us in a negative light. And if we continue to bend and to bend and to bend, eventually one day they'll love us. We are not called for the world to love us. We are called to stand for what is true. Maybe you're sitting in the room and you need to understand that, that, that you've been hitting the snooze button, that you'll hear a message talking about things, even like you'll hear somebody get up here and do a little tithe message 
and, and inside of your head you're like, snooze, I'll worry about that later. Can I just tell you, or maybe you hear me talk about, hey, as parents, we need to step up and we need to show our children, not just, not just give you know, lip service to the fact that, that church is important, but that we are proving that church is important, that God's house is important to us, that this is a family, that it's reality that we come together and we worship together and we care for one another, and this is a priority to us. And it's not just something that we talk about, but our children see it. And some of you go, yeah, I get it, snooze. God is calling his church to first fruit, not to leftover fruit. That means prioritizing what's important to him. When parents make faith a priority, it will change your home. You will reap what you sow. The day is going to come when Jesus is going to ask, what did you do with my church? Jesus spent his time building his church. It's important to him. Maybe you're sleeping with your talents and your abilities. You're saying, someday maybe I'll offer those things to the church, but not right now. But God has called you to be a river and not a reservoir. See, God designed it in such a way that what he gives to us, and he's given you your talents, your abilities, he's given you your finances, he's given you your resources, he's given you the time that you have. Do you understand that if God decided, you would have no time left if he wanted it? So every breath that you breathe belongs to him. And so he's given them to you, and he says, I want you you to live in such a way that what I get to you will get through you. But many of us live our lives just gathering holding on, trying to keep as much as we can. And the reality is you will never have enough. But if your hope and your faith and your trust is in him, that when it comes to those things, you can say, God, I'm going to let it come to me and I'm going to get it through me because I know that you got more coming to me. The problem is we are more interested in conforming to the world than we are to changing it. We are not to be in love with this world. We are not to try and make this world happy. I think sometimes what it's almost like, it's like, uh, it's like a, a, a girl who's in an abusive relationship where the man just continually beats her or mistreats her or, or does bad things to her and she just always, but I love him, but I love him. It's the saddest thing to walk somebody through that to try and get them to understand this isn't what love looks like. But what happens is the church is in a place where, but I love it. I love the world. I love the things of this world. And, And maybe if I love it enough, it will change. Don't get me wrong. Hear me when I'm saying this. God so loved the world that he sent his son. So what does that mean? It doesn't mean that Jesus bowed to the world so that they would love him. He loved him, loved the world by, by coming to change it. So for us, we need to understand if you love someone and they are walking in a road that is leading them to destruction, then you do everything you can to stop them from walking that road. And that means speaking truth. It doesn't mean that we just walk alongside them and pretend everything's fine when it's not. 
There's a pregnant man emoji. So stupid. We want God to love the world, but James tells us this in James chapter four, verse four. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend to the world, you must make yourself an enemy of God. We have gotten to a place where we have twisted things to make it feel like we need to be we need to be so accepting and so understanding and, and we just need to, whatever you believe, whatever your truth is, I'll be fine with your truth just so that you know that I'm a good person and that I love you. No. When my children were young, they did stupid stuff. And I would tell them, you're doing stupid stuff. <laughs> and you keep doing stupid stuff, you're gonna get in trouble for doing stupid stuff. And when I would discipline my child for doing stupid stuff, it was because I loved them. I wanted them to grow up and quit doing stupid stuff. So when we step up and we say, hey, this is not okay, it's not because we hate, but it's actually because we do love. But we have conformed and conformed and conformed for long enough. It's time to stand. I was thinking about this earlier this year. We had the opportunity to go and spend some time with Jonathan and Katie Martinez, and we were staying in Long Beach, and we saw all these ships coming in and going out, and I, I was thinking to myself this week, could you imagine if I went and there was a cruise ship there, and on the cruise ship it said, going to Italy. And I was like, I have no interest in going to Italy, but I really want to get on to that cruise ship. So I tell them, like, I don't want to go to Italy, but I want to be on your cruise ship. And they're like, well, that's the destination. It's where the ship is going. So I still buy a ticket and I get on board and I say, I have no intention of going to Italy, but I just want to ride the ship. So as the ship departs and we begin to, our voyage across the ocean to go to Italy, people on board keep saying, hey, dude, you're going to Italy. And I'm like, I'm not going to Italy just enjoying the ride it's all good at some point a decision has to be made by me either I'm going where the ship is going or I got to get into a lifeboat and get out right I've got to make a decision because no matter what I do that ship is bound for Italy I don't get to just pretend and there, maybe I'd be on the ship and there'd be some guys on the deck that are going, hey, I just want you to know that we don't believe in Italy. We don't think Italy's a real thing. So we ain't going to Italy. And maybe I'd believe them and just stay on the ship. And guess what? I'd find myself in Italy at some point. Or I got to make a decision. And I could go, man, I could get into one of these lifeboats and it's going to be hard it's going to kind of suck. Or I could stay here. They got a buffet here. They got, a, they got a nice swimming pool. They got all kinds of really cool stuff on the ship. But I don't want to go to Italy. That's a stupid story. But many of us have come to a place where we're like, oh, yeah, no, no, I don't, I'm not going with the world. I'm going to just ride along for a little while. destination of this world has been determined. Yeah. 
this world will be destroyed. Jesus is coming back and he wants us with him. But you can't stay on the ship that's going to Italy and expect a different outcome. And you may go, boy, that seems uncomfortable to not be on the ship. It, it, it will be. It will be uncomfortable at times. But I'm telling you right now, maybe it's time for the Western church to get a little uncomfortable. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time for us to understand that if we keep sleeping, this gets worse. If we don't start speaking out, if we keep walking in fear, then we need to stop singing there's another in the fire because we're not even willing to go into the fire. Reviving a sleeping person. Are we actually hungry for a revival? Or is it just something that we like to sing and talk about? Because revival, I'm going to tell you right now, revival is uncomfortable. Because revival is a type of fire that will come and it will burn away the things that should not be important in your life. And that's why a lot of times we like to sing it, we like to hear about it, but we don't actually want it to hit our church. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to wake up. I'm asking you to just close your eyes for a minute because we're going to take a moment and I want to just pray. The worship team is going to come and we're going to sing. And this can become routine if we let it. I don't want this to be routine. I want this to be a moment tonight where we're honest and we go, am I sleeping? Have I fallen asleep? Have I allowed the world to just creep in? whether that's thinking in the big picture or even just thinking in your home. What compromises have you made inside your own home? That if I had told you 10 years ago that your kids would be watching this, would you have believed me? If I had told you 10 years ago that you would be participating in this, would you believe me? See, some of us are driving and we're letting one eye close because we're trying to justify well, this isn't as bad as something else I could be doing. How about we don't shoot for being a little better than somebody else, but we start shooting for revival and God changing us and impacting us and showing us who he's designed us to be. We got to wake up. So I'm going to pray over you. The worship team is going to lead us in some worship. I just want... I didn't have any, any script for how this is going to end tonight. I just really want you to come to a place where you go, God, I, I want to spend time with you right now. I need you to speak to me. I need you to show me inside of me what things are in me that need to be burned away. What areas have I compromised? What things have I let go of? What things have I not pursued that you've asked me to? God, make me who you need me to be. Help me to be the warrior who's ready to stand for truth and for life and for you and to watch you step into my story and use me to change this world. God, right now we are grateful because you are good and you love us and you have saved us. 
Father, I don't want to be asleep. God, wake us up. Father, I pray over our communities right now. Lord Jesus, that in each of our communities that's represented, that, Father, we would see you. That, God, we would see Christians rise up and stand for what is true. That, God, we won't fall prey to just allowing the enemy just a little bit more ground. If we give them just a little bit more ground, maybe people will like us better. It's time for us to stop worrying about if people like us. And it's time for us to start showing real love by putting up guardrails of truth and living within them. Lord, we praise you. I pray for everybody within the sound of my voice right now that in these next few moments, that God, we will quiet our hearts hear from you. Thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.